from worlds beyond to right at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. Welcome all to all my fantasy children. My name is Aaron Catano Saez. And my name is Jeff Stormer. Damn, it's been a minute. It has been a little while. Aaron, how the hell are you, my friend? God, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, we'll get to that. Let me do the full intro because we're professionals. This is the first I'm hearing about this. (laughs) (laughs) This is All My Fantasy Children. It is a tabletop inspired world building, character creation and storytelling podcast where each week Jeff and I take your brilliant listener submitted prompts, spin them into an original world detail, character, location, legend, myth, what have you, and use that to develop an original fantasy world we call fantasy. But on that note, we take breaks when they are required because we are health conscious on this podcast. Uh, because uh, this shit's not worth it. Like, <laughs> well, and I, I love this show. Like, I love this show. Very, yeah, yeah, yeah. It you're is, right. You're right. It is a rewarding experience. Yes, right? that's like, exactly I love, what I was going to say. I, I love making this show. I get to sit down with my best friend and like goof around for an hour a week and tell a story and share some quality time and catch up with a person that I love. And like, that's great. All of that's wonderful. Yes. This shit ain't worth it. No, like, um, to clarify, it's, like, not worth deteriorating over and, like... Yeah, like, it's not worth bleed... It's not worth bleeding over. No, because making things for freezies is is something... This is something I we love to do, right? Yeah, It's something that's fun, and we love the feeling that it gives our listeners. But also, I'm pretty sure our listeners would rather us not be empty husks churning out dice-rolling episodes... So that, you know, you get the ear feels, but knowing that we're like crumpled old biscuits sitting in a chair, like, and then one horse. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's been a little while. Um, It has been mad long. I have I I have a new job. It's very exciting. I have accepted a managerial position at a Pier 1 Imports. It's great. It's good. Life is life is good and fun. Hell yeah. Good and fun is good. (laughs) Fucking new jobs are good. The previous management at the Pier 1 imports were ousted because there were reports of uh, (laughs) like some sort of some sort of uh, being in the phantom in the the rafters. Damn. Somebody who's not somebody who's not catched up on the backlog is going to be like, (laughs) the fuck are they talking about? Um, If you go back to episode like 30, we talk about how Jeff is the phantom of a Pier 1 imports in a bathtub. That's true. It is uh, true. I do have a new job though. Um, I, I made a joke that I made a joke that I'm not, I'm not a professional, but I literally am a professional podcaster, and it's amazing. Yeah, no, like that bangs. You are like, and that's the thing. Like, it's hey kids, hey listeners, hey l- kids and adults alike. It's important to go after the kind of stuff you want to be doing, but at the same time, on the note about taking breaks and stuff. That takes a tremendous amount of energy to like withstand your your day job and, you know, balance personal, professional life and still be happy. So doing, I really want to, I tweeted this a while ago. I really want to normalize passion projects, calling them the work you do after work. And like, absolutely. So like, I'm glad that you're fucking thriving right now. And a big deal is like you take time for yourself, goddammit. So listener, do that too. This is like a verbal hug at up front now. Yeah. We're making yeah, a verbal yeah. hug sandwich today. That's right. Double, double the value. Double the value. Yeah. You came here for some fantasy nonsense. Jokes on you. We've pivoted and now it's like motivational speaking. 
<laughs> Two nerds talking about what gets us excited and sharing our motivational quotes with you. That kind of is the show, actually. Aaron, but on that note, what's getting you excited this Oh, week? shit. <laughs> um, what is getting me excited this week is um, leaning into uh, calling things I like to do hobbies. <laughs> love it this sounds so strange but uh, it's something where like i've always avoided that word because it means like I, I don't know i always link it to you don't take it seriously and it's just for fun but i'm realizing that i have a shit ton of hobbies you do you you lead a very interesting life thank you and i'm really trying to like uh embrace that and welcome them in more like i'm like, oh i like to fish i like to hike and stuff i also like barbecuing a lot like i like learning about smoking meats and vegetables because i enjoy uh throwback uh, i don't know if my our listeners know this i was a food science major at rutgers university mm. for two years and i have a deep interest in cooking and food and stuff and so i love the chemical aspect of slow cooking stuff with smoke and charcoal because of like the process of rendering down certain meats and their fats and turning them to like, you know, turning something really tough into something really soft is actually like an interesting chemical reaction. But leaning into these hobbies and like accepting them and welcoming them that like when I walk the grocery store, I'm like, ooh, pork butts on sale. Maybe I'll, I really want to retire in my life. Like I want to retire and do creative stuff, but like I really don't want to have to do a job I hate in order to survive, you know, the dream. Uh And so I'm trying to dress for the life that I want, not the one I have. So I'm leaning into all of my hobbies at 110% as if I don't have a fucking job. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So it's getting me excited, like fully welcoming this and being like, no, I am going to play video games for the next six hours on my day off because that's a hobby I have and I like it. Not feeling guilty about that. I love it. I'm here for it. What about you? What's getting you excited this week? I watched a TV show I've fallen madly in love with. Is it Frasier? I will turn off this recording. <laughs> it's called Dragon Ball GT. It's called Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, it's actually a new show. It's called Abbott Elementary. Ooh. Uh, it's on ABC. It's on its first season. Uh, it is like a mockumentary show about an elementary school in southwest uh, Philadelphia. Ooh, okay. Um, it's very, very charming. It's very, very fun. They have great characters. But the thing that has me the most excited is that it is set in Southwest Philadelphia, very specifically. Like it is set not just in my city, not just in the in the in the larger like town of or section of my city. Like it is set somewhere in the area of like ten blocks from where I live. That feeling bangs so motherfucking hard. Like I, I love when it's so specific to where you actually live that you have a nice point of reference that you're like, huh, it's the I do that, but it it feels so nice to be. It really see, does. You feel so seen. It feels so lovely and like it was created. Uh, Quinta Brunson who created it like live like grew up in West Philly as well, and like you can feel that in every episode. There there have been at least several moments where I've had to pause episodes and be choked up about like that's my that's my neighborhood. Yeah, like. It, it it's a feeling that I really have not felt since I watched the movie Creed in theaters mm. because like Creed was shot in Philly and like has like real authentic Philly like locations and, and street scenes. And like there's just the, there's a real energy to seeing like the city that I love, the city that I see outside of my window, like lovingly presented and like all of the the weird little quirks that like come with that just Absolutely. fill me with a real sense of joy. It is a lot of why I know we do that on this show, because I always want 
people who also come from a town like fucking Mount Holly, New Jersey, or if you are from South Jersey, to like feel that we are. I'm like, I see you, motherfucker. Oh, yeah. I get it. Like, small town bullshittery in, like, a weird rural part of a state that everyone thinks is, like, the Jersey Shore. Like, there is magic in it. And that kind of thing is what some people do. It sounds like what this show does is captures that feeling so well, is the magic of where where you live is, like, shown on a screen. And it's such a nice feeling, you know? It's, yeah. And you're, you're absolutely right. Like, it's very evocative of, like, the stuff that we do on here. It's the little moments when you when you hear a detail said that you're like, that's that's too like that's that's my neighborhood. And it just it's for you. It's to you. It's a love letter to you. And it's it's full of little moments that like that like they're not going to if you don't pick up on it, like it's not going to detract from the episode. But like those little moments where you hear a thing and you go, I see what you did there and I'm here for it. Yes. Ah, I love that kind of shit. It's fucking great. Jeff, are you ready to I'm make- I am so ready. Because this prompt slaps, and I've been, you and I have been talking about this subject now for, oh God, this show is six years old approaching. Ah! Um, Holy fuck. Um, so, the prompt this week comes to us from our Discord channel, which is incredible. Jump into our Discord, chat with us, submit prompts, do whatever you want, catch up on old episodes and yell at me about them, and I will yell back. Uh, it comes from King and Commoner. Prompt, the moon that is only sometimes there. Which that prompt bangs. That's a good prompt. It's a great prompt. So, would do you want do you want to recap first what we know about moons and fantasy so please, far? Please do because I've retained <laughs> none of it. I know. <laughs> so, uh, in fantasy, we have already we have said that there are multiple moons yeah. that have existed or exist. We know of two so far. And for just a, a quick refresher, as like moon in general is a body, like an astral body, that orbits its satellites a larger thing. It's caught in its gravitational pull. Our moon, it's theorized that it's a big chunk of rock. The Earth was hit by an asteroid, launched into our orbit, and now satellites around us, like rotates around us as a satellite, but it's just a big chunk of fucking rock. So if we take that, which is also like, that's like stranger than fiction, right? Mm -hmm, That's space mm -hmm. shit, which is the most fantasy. We have said that we have the Nocturne, which is the story that there is a moon that heard the Nocturne and was like either pulled across the sky or some people interpreted it as uh, heard the literal song, like a sentient moon, and took the seat that the sun had and basically blocked the sun, but sitting in front of it. So there's that. And then Moon Crescent is literally the remains of a moon that crash landed into fantasy. And those shards, those fragments that see those that archipelago is made of moon fragments. And some of it's still underground, deep buried, but most of it's sticking up and jagged. And it's just basically like a big eggshell. But we've said that there are multiple moons. And that's where I like where this one comes in. The moon that is only sometimes there. This could be the third one. Moon number three, because one shattered, one still in the sky. And then this one is the moon that is only sometimes there. So I I have a phrase popped into my head and a visual popped into my head that like is immediately so evocative to me. I kind of want to throw it at you and poke at Please it. Please throw see it at if, me. Like see if this 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 conjures some big weird fantasy imagery that we're that we're fans of. This is such a cool evocative image that like the moon is such a famous image and in all fiction like a lot of fiction draws upon the moon for inspiration and a lot of themes. I really want to do this one justice of just like breaking down what we want for this kind of thing. So yeah, throw stuff at me, we'll bounce ideas. A moon that is only sometimes there, the phrase that popped into my head and the accompanying visual 
The phrase I want to throw out is the duelist's moon. Oh, fuck. Where did that come from? Uh, it came from thinking about a visual of thinking about, like you said, the iconography of the moon in fiction, right? Mm-hmm. Thinking about the visual of the moon in video games and movies and TV shows and thinking about that visual, very specifically the visual of like a like a duel, right? Yeah. And this idea, and like, you know how every, like a duel that is set at night always has a shot of like that full moon and somebody's, somebody's like enshrouded in it or it's shining light down or they're running at each other and then they, the moon is overhead. Yeah. So the phrase duelist moon popped into my head and this idea popped into my head and I don't know how it feels, but if it's a moon that is only sometimes there, what if it is somehow like not a moon as we think of it? But like a supernatural phenomena that occurs when that occurs like in these like in these sorts of moments, right? Like mm-hmm. something trips the spark and suddenly there is this glowing spotlight in the sky. Okay, that is sick as fuck. Because the, my question for you is obviously in our world like in it's what the moon is based off of in most of fantasy it's it's most of the time it's just a big rock it's, it's space like but if we take that out and go like maybe space is different what is a moon in fantasy is it a being is it a super mm. cosmic you know supernatural entity not a being like hello but like an entity beyond comprehension because we can say that like for example the nocturne the song gets played the moon got pulled across the sky. Maybe it did hear the song and move over. You know, maybe the third the, the third moon that smashed and became Moon Crescent was a something other than like a bunch of rock. What do you think about that? What would you what do you do you have any initial ideas of what the moon is? The moon is sentient and it wants to kick your ass. See, I love a sentient. <laughs> I mean, I love a Majora's Mask. <laughs> I look, look, Aaron. I've been trying to pitch this idea for a while. You have, you have. <laughs> and I'm here for it. Damato shot it down, and we're bringing it to AM. Bring it here. That's so, okay. No. So do no, no, no. Let oh. me think about this. Okay. <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, because it's just a big white orb, right? Because we know it as like you know, it's craggy. It has the face in it. Blah 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 blah. And it's just a piece of fucking rock. But if you remove that, it is something that appears at night, reflects light, or emanates light. And people follow it, you know, if we want to keep those myths that are consistent with our own world where, you know, the moon lights our way, it's blah, blah, blah. But the dualist moon is an interesting term that I'd, I'd like to develop. Does it only shine down during conflict? Is it in direct conflict with the other moon that's still in the fucking sky? Mm. You know, I so 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 I'm hearing a lot of things that I love. Those are, the piece of the moon that I really want to I keep is I like a moon as a physical object. I think it's very it's just like the object of the moon fucking fascinates me. This gigantic yeah. rock that floats in the sky. It doesn't necessarily have to be rock. No. I'm almost envisioning something like crystalline and Ooh. like a little bit like um kind of if the su- fortress of solitude esque yeah with those yeah. big crystals jagged up against each other like shimmering with energy and crackling with fury and magic okay so i'm what you're describing is more of like a crystal sun where it's like it's a, a an entity of en- it's a object of energy yeah i kind of love that a, that's a crystalline sick. crystalline crackling energy ball <laughs> now 
But then to pull on that a little bit, what if the dualist's moon isn't like this is this also introduces this idea that like what if moon there are multiple kinds of moons in the way that like, you know, Jupiter's moons are not made of the same material as our moon. No. Right. And so like there are, I imagine, moons of vastly different materials and magical properties and structures and sizes. And you said in conflict with and that got me thinking about something very specific that is that is sick. Okay. The moon pulls the tides. Yes. Uh, the moon that in we know world. in fantasy. And, and also the one in fantasy as well creates. Like pulls the yeah. tides. Yeah. And like commands the water on Earth. Yes. If a second moon were to appear, that whole thing is thrown out of whack. Oh, yeah. It's a push and pull. It's a, it's a tug of war between the two over essentially like who exerts their willpower or force over oceans. I mean, and we can extend that to like. Natural force is like fucking gravity, magic. And so I, I almost want to propose that the dualist's moon is not as we think of it, like in the way that the moon that was pulled in the Nocturne, I think takes like is if you were to look at it and send a rocket ship up there at least, you know, the material might be different. The magical properties might be different, all these things. But like you'd be able to look at it and go like, that's a moon. Yeah, it's a spherical body. It's made of solid matter that you can stand on. It's floating in space, you know, and it orbits, it moves around fantasy, you know, orbital cycles and gravity might not be necessarily the same, but it there is a day and night cycle in fantasy. This, I imagine, is something different. Oh, fuck. This is something that is, is that like, is unrecognizable to the, because I love that we're like pulling on this idea and being like, what is a moon? What if we yeah. pull on that? I think this is the farthest other end of that, of that theory this is something unrecognizable, and it maybe it's not even like cosmically high. Like maybe you don't see it across the world. Maybe you only see it for like a mile or so. What appeals to me is you. So in real life, you know, we have like blood moon, harvest yeah. moon. What if that was this? It's it is the rise of a different astral body. And make may I make a big pitch, please? So. In the way that, like, oh, it's the harvest moon, the blood moon rises, you know. What if when the dualist moon appears, it's sort of like a period where the laws of nature and magic are changed while it's in the sky? And that's why this moon is only sometimes there. Like, when the that's dualist cool. moon is in the sky, oh, goodness, the, the laws of reality barely fucking apply. It is absolute bananas. I, I love that. And I, I love the idea that a, it is somewhat predictable. Yes. But maybe not entirely so. No, no. Maybe influenceable by other things. Yes. And B, I love the idea that, like, it appears and it's just there for a while mm -hmm. and stuff just changes. Yeah. I, That's yes. cool. Yes. I'm imagining, like, this. So, fantasy in our universe, we've expressed that, like, you know, the ley lines power the planet, right? They're like supernatural beings that have basically become like magical engines that live in the planet become the ley lines great and they're called the five super duper they're all a bunch of colors it's neat but there's also like other worlds that they have created in the past so space travel is a thing you know we haven't really dove into it because it's a lot but i love the feeling of the infinite of space and the potential otherworldly beings that are outside of our comprehension even a being of pure energy for example like this 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 Thing, this moon, this dualist moon, essentially what we described, appears in the sky of fantasy 
and exerts an energy or willpower, TBD, onto the planet that, like, changes everything. Laws that we know of, like, magic and gravity, you know, all that stuff, either change, they no longer apply, you know, past becomes present, future, all at once. Wild, wild shit can occur. Magic might be amplified or turned off. It it has essentially a will over the very nature of the world, which is the ley lines slash magic. Does that work? I it does. It does. The thing that I really want to stick, I really want to like like stick on and like kind of like zoom in on that I think is sick. I love you. You mentioned it tying into the to the realm of magic and. As much as it's it's cool to envision, like, this is when gravity shuts off, that feels like a bit big of a swing to me, and I want to, like, scale it back to be, like, magic works. Like, this is a magical event that changes how magic operates in the universe. Yes. Or in, in, in the world or in the region, wherever wherever this moon is visible, right? Yes. Like it is so powerful or so influential, or its effect is that great, whatever it radiates out can even alter the beings that created reality. Yeah. Which is fucking cool and weird. That's why it's only sometimes there. Like, is it sometimes there in the way that, like, some people live their entire lives without seeing it? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Like, the, why is it called the Duelist Moon? Is it because it's in direct competition with ours? With, with, that... with the regular moon? Did it kill the other moon? The mm, one that's Moon Crescent? That's a good pitch. Did I it really strike do... it down and cause it to crash to fantasy? Is it, like, basically the carcass of a supernatural entity? Mm. You know what I mean? They're basically yeah. living in like the shell, the land and, you know, is made up of the very makeup of this being, whatever the third moon was, you know, is what Moon Crescent is. And the dualist moon might have struck. I mean, we love us some supernatural conflict like mm -hmm. our very na the world was created by two cosmic sisters in an eternal battle. So there's no reason why three of these moons couldn't be in constant, not constant, but it could have happened a long time ago. Perhaps the, the, the dualist moon is in pursuit of the regular one. I've got a, I got a pitch along those lines that's really kicking, really kicking at me. Lay it on me. So you're right that we have a lot of like big supernatural conflicts and that yeah, like it's, makes it's, me really excited. Yeah, it's how we've kind of leaned into the idea of not good and bad, but just that the, like the essence gods, of good gods and bad are, are. Gods are real. Sort yeah, of. that gods are real and their influence for, at a cosmic level does emanate down and trickles down into the actions of a bunch of goobs, that influence. So originally what I was thinking was... That the dualist moon would appear like if Aaron, you and I, if our beef, if the if the famous Aaron and Jeff beef, which if you're listening to the podcast, I'm certain that you've picked up on over the over the previous episodes, the simmering hatred that is between us. Yes. If if that beef ever came to a full head, what I was originally envisioning was that like we would meet in a field, we would draw our weapons. One hundred. Uh, sledgehammers is what we've agreed upon, Aaron and I. But like big cartoon, those wooden mallets where it looks yeah. like the top is peeling. You know that cartoon weird wood and, mallet thing. And specifically, we agreed that we're just gonna we're just gonna donkey go in a direction, yep. and whoever gets bashed first wins. So what I want you to envision, uh, dear listener, is the Super Smash Brothers hammer item. The exactly. And Jeff and I <laughs> wildly swinging at the same <laughs> just time. Just run at each other. Yeah, whoever bonks first as it would work and smash you know gets eliminated gets, gets eliminated launched off the map 
No, they don't say KO. They say game set. So if I that think. ever comes to me. pass, we <laughs> yeah. meet in a field. We have our hammers. Yep. And we look up and the moon is there. And oh, then we can piss. look elsewhere. But, but what I want to propose instead, I want to keep that idea. Okay. What if the dualist moon is that, but for supernatural entities? It makes them battle? or it, No, it doesn't make them battle. It appears when two supernatural entities come to blows. Uh, we're talking Galactus we're versus talking like, an, yeah, an eternal like type thing. One moon, like one moon arrives to murder another moon. Yeah. A third moon appears in the sky to light their battle. Okay, so Jeff, what you have just laid down that I am horny for is that the moon that's in the sky in fantasy that we know and love, and we've talked about it ad nauseum, fucking defeated the one that's moon crescent and took its place in the motherfuck took a, 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 a place in the sky and there are other moons in the sky but hearing you say that aaron do you know what i what i just what i realized i just pitched to you what <laughs> the moon is sentient but it doesn't want to kick our ass it already <laughs> kicked kick the ass of the moon yeah it kicked an ass you know it, but, it won like our moon what do you want to call like the moon moon uh, the moon moon is called, what about the, the moon, the moon crystallis or chrysalis, the chrysalis moon? That would imply there's something inside of it. I mean, there might be. Hmm. Is it a chrysalis or, or is it like the crystal moon? The crystal moon. There we go. I the like crystal, it. crystal moon. So That's the, the word I was moon, trying to get to. The dualist moon and, <laughs> and whatever the, the fucking Humpty Dumpty moon that got fucked beefed. And totally is no more and is in fantasy, is on fantasy and deep down. I mean, it was it was the crescent moon like (sighs) it. It was the crescent moon. It was crescent shaped. And now it is moon crescent because it has fallen and it has crashed into the earth. Fuck, because its ass got clapped by the crystal moon. (laughs) (laughs) Its cheeks got clapped by the crystal moon. Fucking victory royale. They both played a game of Fortnite. And it was it was, as the kids say, lit. But like. And, and like, the thing I want to keep in mind is, like, I love the idea that there, prob- there are probably other moons as well, like, in, in fantasy and on other yeah. planets and the moons move around. But, yeah. like, it's just what we call them. They are supernatural, gigantic fucking things that we just call moons because it's like in our world. We have a very limited understanding of, of like, what the fuck the moon is. Yes. And, like, we have no idea what the fuck space is and things like, and, like that. Yeah, like like I said, Jupiter's moons, like one of them I'm pretty sure is made of like molten lead <laughs> like or molten like like mercury. Yeah, like that is like that kind of thing I always want to bring to fantasy where that's like people on fantasy's understanding of their greater universe, just like us, is incredibly limited. You're just trying to make sense of everything and live a goddamn life without going, oh my God, I have a nauseating feeling that my existence doesn't matter. <laughs> and so... Like, that was a moment where the dualist moon shone over fantasy was when the crescent moon was sent hurtling to Earth. Okay, can I give you a pitch, though? Yes. I'm, I, I love that, and it's amazing. The dualist moon is so fucking big. Have you ever seen that image of, at listener as well, and Jeff, if you haven't, look up what Jupiter would look like if it were in the place where the moon is. It's horrifying. It's like for it's a scale. It's like an example of scale of the how small Earth is, and it's like it's like ah! in, it's like in your fucking face, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that is what the dualist moon looks like when it appears. You fucking know. I'm gonna send you an image because there's a really specific planet. It's a little smaller than that, but it's on the same thing. Mm-hmm. But like, what Neptune would look like? Oh dear God! 
because also there's a there's a there's a there's a there's a visual aspect to it. I'm posting it in the Zoom chat, Aaron. Kay. Go look at what Neptune would look like. Please don't crash my audacity. Gentle Lenovo notebook. <laughs> Sweet gentle prince. <laughs> if it opens fucking Microsoft Edge, I'm gonna throw this thing out the window. <laughs> it opened Microsoft Edge. <laughs> It's like you've what? never set the default. We had a good run. Uh, we had a good run. Uh, when I get back to the main chamber, we'll get back to making an episode. Ugh, I hate this image. Like, look at the like the blue color of Neptune. Like, that's kind of what I envision is like this like haunting blue light just like washes over everything. Yeah. The initial example was two moons went to battle, and like that I think is a moment where it was so large that like everyone on the planet saw the duelist moon. Oh, but so like, this is like people saw this shit happen. Oh, people saw the duelist moon emerge and then shit changed for a while. Okay, can I make a pitch on that? Please. To keep our fucking fun. I love our history so much. So this is like literally at the dawn of creation when like the elves walked down from moonlight, mm-hmm. right? We said the elves are literally were were made of moonlight and they walked down onto fantasy. Maybe this is be maybe this was before the battle or after. Mm. You know? It can be after, but also it could be before. I love it. I love it. I th- I mean, Jeff Stormer, it's, I think it's both. I think it just lingers for a while. What does? The moon, like the duelist oh, moon in the sky, just like fucking lingers. what I mean lingers. is when they walked down the moonlight, ah. is it from the crystal moon or the one that's fucking moon crescent, got its ass cheeks clapped? <laughs> I... I think that we had retcon or we had established that like they like emerged from the crescent moon when it crashed down. Okay, so I have a neat pitch for that then. Please hit me. Uh, so I've always loved the so the moon crescent was in the sky, right? The crescent yeah. moon. That is the moon that the elves came from. They walked yeah. down its beams of moonlight. The thing that I've always loved the phrase from Shakespeare, uh, Romeo and Juliet, is rise, envious moon. Hey, everybody, it's Aaron from the future using earbud microphones for editing. I can't believe I fucked up that Shakespeare quote, so I have to make amends for it. The reference I meant to make was arise, fair sun, and kill the envious moon, because that fits into the episode. Come on, Aaron! That's when the crystal moon fucking destroyed it. Yeah, that's sick. That's sick. That's sick. And while they were walking down from this, they basically, like, were, you know, walking down from this, or basically, like, being, you know, created, whatever. Yeah. Walking down from moonlight can be metaphorical, but as they were created, or while they were being created, the envious moon struck down Moon Crescent. That's sick. I love that shit. That's cool as hell. So, I feel like, depending on maybe where you are in the world, do elves call it, you know, does Moon Crescent as a whole call it the envious moon? And some people call it the crystal moon. I love that. That's sick. That's it's good. like a That's cultural good note where, yeah. because like, you know, moon crescent is deeply tied to the moon. So I feel like that culture alone has such a close tie to the duelist moon to, and what it, I feel like the duelist moon is a term for moon crescent to be mm-hmm. like, no, that motherfucker is big. And when that moon showed up, the moon's dueled mm-hmm. and like the, the crystal moon struck down the 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 weird cosmic being that we seemed to like no one knows if they came from it clearly they did not that's me putting my hand over my hand like i'm telling a secret but it's like you know it's the kind of thing where like you'd think you're from that part of the world you know what i mean yeah so it's it's this uh, cultural idea that you come from this place that you're from and it was killed by a fucking envious moon because you know long ago you literally watched it happen and 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 the other thing that i want to pitch related to that thinking about this idea 
uh, like I said, that was on the every all of all of fantasy saw the duelist moon the day that the envious moon struck down the the crescent moon. Yes, can I give an order of events? Because I feel like that was yeah, unclear. Please, 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 please. Yeah. So the dawn of fantasy happens. You know, the the five make uh, the world and the people on it. Right? Elves just exist because we decided that like people aren't like beamed down and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. When everyone's on Earth on fantasy, whoops, there were three. There was I've two, said Earth like eight times. I know, I know. They get point. it. They get it. <laughs> there are two moons in the sky of what was not known as Moon Crescent. Obviously, mm-hmm. wait. So then, what did people watch a moon crash down? Then they fucking lived in it and like walked uh, over and took. Or were they inside of it? Like, what's what's the scoop I here? Think, I think that because that would mean they're not from fantasy. I we got. I want to take this seriously. I oh no, we're taking this nerd. super seriously. So I think that what it is, is... Because the timing on this. I think that what I'm going to say is that it's concurrent. Okay. Like the moon, the crescent moon crashes down, right? It's killed, As right? that is happening, it is killed, it is struck down by the envious moon, it crashes down, the duelist moon is in the sky. As that is happening, the moonlight of the crescent moon is swirling the elves into life all oh. around fantasy. Oh, it's like it's last. Okay, that's really great. In the last, its last breath of whatever you want to call life, mm-hmm. the crescent moon created the elves with, paired up with the, the power of the ley lines. Yeah, exactly. That's sick. They together were like, elves, and and, <laughs> and, and and thus, thus the elves were born in the light of the duelist moon. Okay, this is sick because what I want to think about eventually is how all of the cultures actually came to be because mm-hmm. I feel like the story that we told in the five are like dwarves came from the rock and the crystals and stuff. It's like, what if there are outside parties that aren't the ley lines that kind of like mixed, mm-hmm. you know, and collaborated in a way. This is dope as fuck. The light, the light from the crescent moon as it crashed landed to this planet known as fantasy. The light flooded out. The light that this moon had collected flooded out, and thus there were elves. And it mixed with the power of the ley lines known as magic and creating the elves. That bangs fucking hard. It does. Now, what I want to propose is this. That is a moment when we saw the duelist moon. Yes. An equally important moment to when we see the duelist moon. Aaron, what are the ghosts that can appear in historic events called? The ghosts that can appear to horse- What? The, the magical beings that, like, show up when you're about to do something significant. We talk about them in one episode. It's when we talk about Madame Mysteria's mother. Guzevelt? Guzevelt is oh, one of them? Oh, chaos. So, chaos elementals are chaos beings elementals. that are literally, like, the will of the planet. If two chaos elementals were also to come to blows, mm. they are infinitely smaller, right? Like, they are, they, are, they are not beings on, like, a massive cosmic scale. Yeah. But the duelist moon would be visible. Oh, but baby. only to maybe, like I said, only maybe to like a town, right? Yeah. To where that fight happened. It would be like a light. It would be you would see the light, but I don't know if it would show up like that picture of Jupiter or Neptune. Right. Like you somebody somebody might see it and like that is that is kind of the 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 omen that comes with it is you look in the sky and you're like, Oh, there's a duelist moon. Someone somewhere is fighting and the size of it and the color of it and the skate like the closeness of it. You think, oh, someone's fight, like someone powerful is fighting today. I love that because if we said it affects reality as we know it, mm-hmm. I feel like that's in a, a ripple effect. Like, yes, the moon is there, but like all of a sudden, you know, you're floating in your home and you're like, oh God, because the fight is like nearby you. And, 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 and how it affects you, the laws that it affects, whether it affects magic or gravity or time and space is reflective of like what 
supernatural entities are in conflict. That slaps so fucking hard. May I make a pitch? Please. The elves were made when the moon was already dead, correct? Or dying? Yeah, 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 yeah. People only know about this event of the jealous moon striking down Moon Crescent because of another event that was brought about by the duelist moon. People saw a vision of the past. Like, people saw the event happen. You said past and present and forces come into play. People were shown that battle, and that's how they know it fucking happened. That's sick. You know, like, people were shown a fuck whatever it looks like for a crystal moon to strike down a crescent moon and have it fall. Like, that's how the people of fantasy learned. That at some point, I'll throw it out there, there was a cosmic clash of epic yeah. proportions so big that past, present, and future collided, and what was shown was when the envious moon was struck down, is, was when the envious moon struck down the crescent moon. And that's how the legend of like what mm -hmm. the duelist moon means and what happens, that's how people fucking know. This is wild. This is good shit. This is good shit. This bangs. Now, uh, another detail I want to throw out. Okay. Was the duelist moon visible? Because they these people in particular... They wield objects of incredible magical power. They yes. inhabit a place in history that is supernaturally charged. Was it visible when Arthur struck down Nymphaeolagus? Part of me wants to say, we, we have established in our canon now that the crystal moon, the envious moon, which as we know now is, you know, kind of not great, was watching, you know, was in the mm -hmm. sky over Moon Crescent, stopped the seas so they could listen to the, the Nocturne song took its place in front of the sun, and watched the duel between those two. I would like to say there was light cascaded onto the moon that, onto the crystal moon that night that was from the duelist moon, but not in the same capacity. Like you said, you would see like a beam of light or something. Mm -hmm. I would say that the, the, the crystal moon had a hue Almost as if the light of the duelist moon was from far away reflecting onto the crystal moon that night. That's good. I like that. Does That's that good. work? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I like it that. was like, you know, it's a big deal. But I also, it's like you said this years ago to me that like those people are assholes. Like the, the, the five jewel crown, like ultimately yeah. were like thought they were kind of like godlike beings who could solve everyone's problems. And so probably the two of them thought that something like that would happen, that like, oh, you know, it's this cataclysmic battle. In the end, all they did was kind of make the world a better place by all dying. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So oh, yeah. that, that's the kind of lesson where I'm like, you know, when people think, oh, yeah, I bet this is going to change the world forever. And then, you know, the voice of the universe kind of whispers back like, it won't. You know, it's kind of that. this yeah, yeah, yeah. grand lesson of insignificance that I always want to hammer into people who think that they are fucking movers and shakers. In the grand scheme of things, the world will forget about you. They will not know of your grand fucking exploits. You probably aren't the hero in everyone's narrative. And I love hammering that into our world of like heroes and stuff is like, no, Arthur, you suck shit. Nefeolagus, you sick. killed mad people by freezing a fucking continent. <laughs> That's sick. I love that. That's amazing. That's very, very good. That is something I feel like happens a lot, is where people like draw their weapons in duels and battles, thinking that like, you know, and they before and they're like, and the duelist moon will shine down on us in this battle, for this is a historic moment in history. We are reshaping and then there's nothing. And and I think that is itself like that is a statement of cruelty, is how I would describe it. Go on. Or cruel honesty, rather. Fuck, please elaborate, because that... Ugh. Historians 
say, the light of the duelist moon did not shine down when Arthur and Nymphaea Lachis came to blows. Like, to describe, using the phrase, the light of the duelist moon did not shine upon you. Oh my god. Is a sign that, like, like, that is a sign of, like, what you did is not some his like that is your that is the way of like striking down the uh, someone's like self importance right like you're not sh- you're not under the light of the duelist moon get the fuck over yourself I love that it's like I love the phrase like look the world's not gonna spin off its fucking axis yeah it's like that where it's like look we're no one's gonna see the fucking duelist moon tonight and that's okay right. and it is a lesson for them to be like and that's okay you're allowed like we hearkening it back to our beginning it's like it's okay to just fucking exist. And make decisions. You're not a supernatural godlike being. You like stop acting like what? Yeah. I am obsessed with our message of the show and the five jewel crown and all these fucking heroes. I- I'm sure there were a lot of people at like the Battle of Iron Hill, for example, who were or like, you know, when they when the five jewel crown dueled Sarath the Carrion King. I'm sure there was like a tiny beam of it, and they're like, What? I thought that we were like changing history and like, you know. Yeah. No, no, you're just violent. <laughs> I am obsessed with this. And I, I love that, like, oftentimes, like, the other half of that is you're not going to fucking know when, like, 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 <clears throat> you don't know when. I know that we had said it was somewhat predictable, but I kind of want to throw that out the window and say, like, you don't fucking know when it's going to appear. No. And you also don't know what it fucking means. This is right. all interpretation. You don't know why the fucking duelist moon was there that night. People, uh, people would interpret that like, yeah, it's it fucking either refereed the fight, it spurred it on, it, it caused it create like some people would think like, yeah, it spurred the jealousy in the envious moon and it killed the moon crescent, you know, like no one fucking knows. People just know that it shifts reality when it fucking appears and things change and things don't mean the same. We do. We know. We know that this motherfucker is shaping things. And on the and on like the ground level, like. Because we said, like, it's a fight between moons or chaos elementals or gods or, you know, ether and astro. Like, it is a it is a it is a fight that is happening on a scale that is beyond you. You're not going to fuck like it's going to happen and you're going to be like, shit, something is going down somewhere in the cosmos. Yeah. But, like, that's the most information you're going to have. Like the real moments of like everything has changed forever. You're not yes. going to be able to be like, there it is. That's the one. It, there we. I I did that. It's like, oh shit, something has just happened that like has changed everything forever. I love that. I love it so much. I fuck with the moon stuff so hard. The moon is sentient and wants to kick your ass. And wants to kick your ass. Yeah, God, I'd be terrified if that big ass thing showed up. <laughs> just one day. One day you walk outside and the moon has grown an arm and it's just fucking pointing at you. It's pointing at you and saying, you're next. Like fucking all <laughs> oh, night. Shit. <laughs> oh Run. shit you never know at the end of the day you never know when the moon is gonna clap your cheeks <laughs> <laughs> you open you open your door and the moon is just well 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 <laughs> the fuck we got here you're like oh no the, the fucking duelist moon <laughs> oh, shit, bro. there's all these so i want to make a pitch a silly pitch about the legends that have arisen about the duelist moon uh-huh because we know that it was did it make them fight or no <sighs> Did it, did it, were they just two astro bodies and the duelist moon kind of awakened something in them? Or was it, is it just this thing that shifts reality floating through space? I like not knowing personally. I think I just, not knowing. I think it is, I think it just appeared. Like, I think it is, there is speculation. Yeah, it is speculation. 
It is like it is just a thing that appears in the sky. Yeah, if we hold on to this, like the universe is in a cold, unfeeling place and doesn't give a fuck about you, even if it is sentient, like in our universe, this thing can just be like scooting around, shifting reality. It doesn't have like a moral code, doesn't give a fuck about much. It just kind of appears during these cataclysmic events, maybe just to watch. And do you know what is absolutely incredible about that? What? There are secrets to the cosmos that even the gods themselves do not begin to understand. That's the kind of stuff that is my absolute fucking jam. Like, if you were to ask the envious moon, like, did the did the duelist moon, like, inspire you to fight? Did it did it aggregate? Like, the cosmic voice would be like, who knows? It was there when the fight happened. I can say no more than that. Dang. Dang. I love this so much. I think that's a wrap, Jeff. I think that's a wrap. I think that's it. I Damn. think we got it. On the duelist moon, the tale of three moons. Shit. Oh my God. King and commoner. That prompt went to some places. Holy shit. Um, if you'd like to submit a prompt of our own to our podcast so that we can talk about cool moon stuff, there's a lot of ways you can do it. I don't know if all of them are still up. But there's you there's one that definitely works really well, and it's the Discord. But what are all the ways that people can send us prompts, Jeff? You can tweet at us at AMFC underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasy children. You can post them to our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash all my fantasy children. You can email them to us at all my fantasy children at gmail.com. Or you can go to bit.ly slash AMFC Discord and post them in our prompt submission channel on our Discord. Boom! Um, yeah, come hang out in the Discord and chat with us. If you're catching up on the backlog, yo, if you enter this channel called Older Episodes and want to talk about an episode, I will teleport there and talk with you. Anyway, uh, speaking of talking about episodes, Jeff has a second podcast that, why aren't you listening to it right now? Open up your second computer. Yes, you put the one, one that head- no one knows about. One headphone and one headphone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you don't listen to two podcasts at once, are you even a real fucking fan slash nerd? Shameful. Shameful. Yeah, absolutely shameful. Uh, Party of One is an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences. Every week I sit down with a friend, we play a two-player game, we share some laughs, maybe a few tears, and we have a really good time. New episodes drop every week at partyofonepodcast.com. All My Fantasy Children is proud to be a part of the One Shot Podcast Network, our beautiful umbrella parent company. (laughs) That's not what it is at all, but it's a wonderful collective of artists in the tabletop sphere all working together to create better work that's more inclusive and a really cool community focused on collaboration and making tabletop a more accessible and badass motherfucking place. That was concise. I just made that the fuck up. You got it. You hit it. Bang! A verbal hug this episode. Every episode, we like to wrap up with some words that we're feeling that we want to share with y'all about, you know, stuff I'm thinking about that I need to hear and that I want you to hear as well. So we give a verbal hug and send you off feeling better than when we started. That's even possible. Jeff, do you have a verbal hug this week? I do. Make things for you that, like, fill your heart, even if you don't think anyone else will find it or will, like... There is there is something beautiful. I started working on a project recently uh, that is like peak self-indulgence. It is uh, I don't intend to like good like I don't intend it for anyone but me. And I think like as people who make things, it is easy for us to get in our heads about like I have to make this for for this and this audience or for I am making this for other people. I am doing this for X, Y and Z reasons. 
I encourage you, if you are feeling that way, to try making something that is so specifically for you that it, it no longer matters if anybody else finds it whatsoever. I think it is a freeing experience, it is a beautiful experience, and it is a good reminder that the secret is that's all of our art, or at least that is in a in a perfect world. It maybe not is not the world that it is, but it is the world that it should be, and sometimes we should acknowledge the world that it should be. And you know, make the stuff that you make so that you love it because you are the person that is going to spend the most time with it of anyone. One trillion percent. Unfortunately, we live in some kind of hellscape. And so monetizing hobbies has become the norm where if you like a thing, you therefore have to try to make money off of it and crank out work and make it work and grind and hustle and all that bullshit and make money. Because, you know, obviously making money doing what we want is the goal Mm -hmm. that doesn't actually have to coincide with monetizing your hobbies. It's okay to make things that are just for funsies. In my own personal experience, it's when I spent a summer streaming. It was fun. I became, I did the whole affiliate thing and was like chasing subs. But I realized that like, I like video games at a place that like de-stresses and decompresses me. And trying to monetize that hobby, like I mentioned before, was very detrimental to my mental health. And I stopped enjoying doing something that has been my trusted companion and stress reliever since I've been four years old. And so it, it's something to be said that you're allowed to just enjoy shit oh, and absolutely. not try to use it as a tool to escape the capitalistic hellscape that we exist in, as hard as that temptation might be. Know that it's enough to just enjoy the things that you enjoy and you don't always have to sell them. As sad as that is, I know where it comes from. But sometimes take a step back and be like, this one is sacred. This one's just for me. You know, I love that. That means that that means a lot to hear. I was that's beautiful. Good. Um, is that all we do on this podcast? God damn. I love this fucking show. This episode I think that's it. slapped so fucking hard. We are back in the saddle, baby. We are. We are alive. We are back. I am Fuck. excited. Uh, we're, we're out here. We're out here. We, we, we stepped out of the plate. We took a hiatus. We stepped to the plate and knocked it. Knocked at home run. All the lights are exploding around us. Oh, no. People we got to are... get the fuck out of here. We're in danger. People... <laughs> it's fucking glass raining from the sky, Jeff. Why did you have to hit that ball so fucking hard? How did you manage to create a sonic boom with that fucking goofy hammer? <laughs> and on that note, good, good night, night and, and good, good game. game. Elven tides, the cycle of high and low that elven culture was built upon. But what causes the tides to occur? Hmm? It's the envious moon. Even after striking down the crescent moon, it still burns with envy, and that fire pushes and pulls the children of its victim. Is it the love that the crescent moon had for the elves? Or is it simply its nature? Long ago, when the moon queen Nymphaeolacus dared to challenge the tides. She knew well the nature of the envious moon, and that would provide her an edge. You see, the song she wrote, the ever-famous Nocturne, was not written for the moon. Nymphaea composed her grand symphony to delight and charm the morning sun. Her harp, named the Apogee, would play the Nocturne from atop her tower, and Nymphaea would spring her trap. As morning came, and the sun took its seat in the sky above her tower, 
The melodies of the harp rang out. The most beautiful music the sun had ever heard. Oh, the joy that washed over the sun. And as the sun delighted in the harp's music, the moon took notice and simply could not help itself. Across the morning sky, the envious moon flew to take its seat in front of the sun. If the moon were to move, the sun would be able to hear. It simply could not allow it. I shall stay above this tower until the song's end, the moon thought. But, oh, dear moon, the song would never stop. The harp played alone in that tower, and its owner had larger ambitions. As the song played for its new audience, the music shifted. What was once bright and lively was now dark and cold. This new music bewitched the envious moon. Now charmed by the music of the nocturne, its envy, once thought to be eternal, was washed away. The tides were halted. The oceans and seas were still. The moon queen felt a brief peace. But at last the time had come. The moon was ensnared in her trap. She would have one chance at this. Her beloved, the dragon queen, Lumina Dawnspear, had once told Nymphaea that it would be possible that if there was a way to make the moon's fire of envy burn low, it would become vulnerable. All Nymphaea need do is rise into the night sky and kill the envious moon. And so, as the moon sat enthralled by the music of the harp, the jewel of the sea, Nymphaea Lachis, rose into the heavens, dagger drawn, ready to strike down the envious moon. But as she grew closer... The moon sensed Nymphaea's own jealousy. The jealousy of all those of fantasy who did not have to suffer the push and pull of the tides. And when the moon noticed her, it released its cold and terrible fire. A frigid air that would consume the land of Moon Crescent, and in time, wreak havoc across the planet. Defeated, Nymphaea returned to her home the now icy tower sitting beneath the moon, where her harp continued its beautiful and terrible song. What am I to do, she thought. I need more time to think. I can fix this. I can kill it. I can. As Nymphaea sat and plotted, the song played on, and while the tides were halted, the icy chill of the envious moon continued to spread across the world. It was then that the Azure King of Iron Hill, Arthur, arrived in Moon Crescent. The two engaged in the legendary battle over the Sea of Sorrow, and as Nymphaea was struck down and her eyes began to shut, she felt a warm light streak across her face, the glow of the duelist moon. In that final moment, she knew that she had done something that would shape the world, and in that Nymphaea Lachis found peace.